Well, the way I want to get into the message this morning, uh, I think will make sense once, once, we, once we get into the actual message, um, but it has to do a little bit with what the Holy Spirit's been doing here at Hope within, it's probably been much longer than recent, but, um, but more recently, we've been trying to pay attention to, to learning more about walking with the Spirit of God. And um, in fact, it really was cool because as I was having this sense earlier this year, I was at our denominations get together, which uh, almost all the pastors were at in Chicago or where were we, Denver? Denver. And the head of our denomination, um, uh, John Wenrick, he started talking about this clear vision that God had given them for us as a people to really tap into the power of the Holy Spirit more and more, which made some folks a little skittish and uncomfortable, and there's parts of me that get uncomfortable with that, and other folks in our denomination, because we are widely diverse um, uh, we're also very excited about that. Well, one of the things that we are doing is tonight we are going to have a healing prayer service. And there's a guy that I met in 2014 who is named Paul Rapley. And Paul just got back from Asia somewhere. He's the guy's all over the globe all year long. Um, and uh, the first time I heard him speak was at a little church over in Gilbert where a friend had dragged me along to say, hey, we're going to... Um, go and hear this guy speak on healing prayer. And it was a very small gathering. And uh, my son at the time, in fact, Noah, why don't you come on up here with me? Um, dra Noah got dragged along. Only Noah wasn't this tall. He was probably about this tall. And he was, uh, what, how old would you have been? 14. 14, I think that's on. Troy, there we go. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there, that's very yeah. there we go. So Noah's about 14 years old, and like you know, some 14 years old, sometimes your parents you know drag you to stuff that you're not real sure about. Force, force you to go to things. Force you to go to right. That's accurate. That's true. And so Noah was kind of sitting down. Now he was not having a great day um, physically because you were having some breathing issues. In fact, right, yeah. I was thinking I'm a terrible dad. I was pretty new at being a single dad, but I'm like, oh, what is wrong with me? How? Why am I so stupid? Why didn't I bring his inhaler with? Right? This is my thought, and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to wait for a moment to just slip out of here, get home, and get his inhaler. So then uh, what happens? After the guy teaches about healing, he says, all right, well, now you guys are going to pray for each other for healing. Um, and do you remember what happened after that? Yes. Somebody mentioned asthma or allergies, yeah. Yeah. and I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to get out of there, but <laughs> I figured it's kind of like you have a raffle ticket in your hand, and your number gets called. It's like, is this really me? Like... <laughs> So uh, we stayed. Uh, I actually raised my hand, and someone came to, to pray for me. A couple people did. Um, and even, even in the process of prayer, it was, it was very simple. I felt very comfortable uh, being prayed for. But I had my doubts. I sort of felt like, you know, this has been a problem my whole life. People asking nicely for it to go away probably isn't going to do anything. Um, but I was wrong. Uh, and, you know, God didn't listen to my doubts. God didn't take that as fact and uh I didn't I didn't experience healing at first I, you know my dad asked me right away like how do you feel it's like well, I'm pretty terrible still uh but I went to track practice that week and I, I didn't use my inhaler and then I went to a friend's house and I didn't have to take Benadryl for my allergies because they had a cat they, they had yeah, a, right? it was always I was greeted at the door with Benadryl pretty much they had yeah. it in a little little thing for me <laughs> um it's like candy you just <laughs> scoop candy it out <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, something changed. Um, and I've been to a couple of doctors and told them what happened. They don't have an explanation, but it, it, it seems to me that um, I was healed. Yeah. I haven't had a problem awesome. since. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Anything else? All right. Thanks. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for having the courage to come up and tell your story. And tonight, I think that, that as um, we are together, that some, some people, I mean, there's no guarantee who gets healed, what gets healed, but I do know from uh, this guy, Paul Rapley, who's become a friend of ours, that we trust, um, that the people get healed, that God shows up, and who knows? Um, that same night, you know, uh, Noah was getting healed, and somebody else said, well, hey, I think we're supposed to pray for people that have neck things, and so right before Noah gets healed, he's like, bam, he elbows me in the, you know, ribs. He's like, dad, you need to get prayed for too. And I'm like, no, 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 it's cool. I want to, you know, I've had that prayed for a hundred times. I want to, you know, watch you get prayed for and pray for you, right? And he's like, no, you got to do it, dad. So I did. No, well, you know what? Noah got healed. I, I didn't. I didn't. Because we don't know for sure uh, why and why not. Because we seem to want kind of a guarantee. But you know what? There's no guarantees. And, um, but tonight, I think as we come and learn to ask as Jesus says to ask, we're going to learn some things. So be back tonight, 6 o'clock, for our healing prayer service. Related to that, uh, all of you awesome people that help clean up chairs afterwards, if you would just clear out the side sections, we'll leave this middle. Uh, we're going to put some tables and stuff up. But if you'll do that after service, that would be awesome. Um, well, we're in a series uh, called The Heartbeat of Hope. And last week, I mentioned that the October month here, we were going to focus on having a heart for others, but really related to kind of thinking through this healing prayer thing tonight, I actually had my sermon done, which is unusual for me to be done like super early in the week, so no surprise, I just, you know, I don't mean this, but I'm like, maybe I should just not even pray about these things by the time Friday hits, right? Um, uh, but Friday, I was kind of listening, praying, God, is there anything else you want to do on Sunday morning, and I heard um, a little bit of a turn, something that's still a part of what our heart is, but rather than being exclusively focused all month on how God wants us to have a heart for others outside of ourselves, I felt like he wanted to me to pause and remind us of something crucial, and it makes sense to do this right in the middle of having a heart for others, because we've been talking for a long time here about how each one of us who are followers of Jesus, that you are on a mission, right? Your mission given to you by Jesus is to go to all the world, to love and serve people, to make disciples, to bless those around you. Uh, God made the promise through Abraham that's extended to us that you will be blessed and you will bless the entire world. God says, I'll bless the world through you. That's what he wants to do with us as well. So we are on a mission, partnered with God. Very central, so crucial. But we don't want to forget this other part. You are on a mission and you are being restored as well. Because we have broken places in our life, in our heart, in our homes, in our relationships, in ourselves. There are broken places that God wants to restore. He wants to restore so it's a both and kind of deal. It's not just one, not just the other. Now, sometimes when we're in a season where God's restoring or healing something, we may step back a little bit from the mission piece uh, for a season. Um, sometimes people go, oh, I can't serve and be on mission until I'm completely healed. Well, if that's the case, we'll never be able to be on the mission God calls us to because we all have stuff that God gradually heals and shapes and forms in our life. So it's a both and kind of deal. But sometimes, when you're being restored, you need to take a break. Um, I think of one of our wonderful saints, Sherry Bradley, who's recovering uh, in the hospital. No visitors. I'm supposed to tell you, no visitors. Um, oh, by the way, teenagers. Yeah. Go. God bless you. Go. Yes. I said somebody 80, and I thought, teenagers, right? Go, teenagers. Yes. 
But uh, our dear Sherry, is she is um, recovering. She's realizing, was talking to us about, hey, you know what? There's so much stuff that I do, ways that I serve. Like, I could still use those lights on, though, John. Thank you, thank you. Um, or Paul. Uh, so she's serving, she's loving, she's giving. But you know what? Right now, she needs to step back from some things and be restored and recovered. She's always going, going in on mission, and she needs to recover. She needs to be restored. And so sometimes, yeah, you step back a little bit, right? You need to heal up. Um, you know, she's concerned, like, oh, my gosh, who's going to give rides to my friends that need rides to the hospital? Who's going who's gonna to help here with our two, twos and threes here at Hope? Because I can't do that for a while. Maybe I need to stop doing that. Like, how do we do that? And we say, sister, you step back. You take care of your, literally your heart, and God's going to provide. He's going to take care of it. Because friends, we are on a mission and we are being restored both things, right? And often at the same time, um, and even just let me share how that looks for me, being on a mission and being restored at the same time. So I know that God has me on a mission and it's fairly clear right now for me that the mission that God is calling me to is to bring God's love, his grace, his truth and to love and serve other people. That's the missional piece of what he's calling me to, but he's also calling me to be restored as well. And in that process of restoring my heart and growing me and healing me and transforming me, there are things that I am doing. I'm going to spiritual direction. Uh, I go to counseling. I'm being mentored. Uh, I take breaks to rest so that I'm not going, going, going on mission all the time because it's a both and kind of deal. And so as we're in this heartbeat of hope series, and we're, we're really been focused a lot on this missional heart, Jesus' heart for others and how he wants to work through us, I just had a strong sense that we need to pull back just a second and remember that it is a both and kind of deal. And I want to start after we pray in John chapter 5. So, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you do call us to be on mission with you. And that you also call us uh, to let you heal and restore our hearts. Jesus, thank you that as we follow you and we are on mission, that you don't just use us up, chew us up, and spit us out, but you care about our hearts. And I pray this morning that we would remember your deep care for us and our hearts, even as we look toward what you call us to do. And the people of God said together, amen, amen. amen. Let me read from John chapter 5. Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, in some of your Bibles, if you look, it's like, how does it go from verse 3 to verse 5, right? Because they're not sure about this next verse and a half. I'll go ahead and read it. But they're like, ah, was that something we added later? So anyway, but here we go. This makes sense to me, I think, to include it. It says this, and they waited. The people there were waiting for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever they, disease they had. Verse 5, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? <laughs> Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. 
pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now, there's a lot more to this story that you can read later this week, but I didn't want to blow past that because there's a question that Jesus asks that I think too often, because the story is bigger and longer, I just have blown past. In fact, if you notice, all through the Gospels, Jesus asks lots of questions, right? A lot of questions. You know, people come to him so many times, he asks them a question. Things like, well, what do you want? Or, or, or how do you want me to help? Or what do you want me to do for you? Do you want to get well? Will you follow me? These are questions that Jesus asks, and there's so many questions, right? Sometimes when I see a question that Jesus has asked in the scriptures, I stop and I wonder, well, why? Like, why does Jesus ask all these questions? I mean, come on, if Jesus is God and all, doesn't he already know the answer, right? So why bother asking the questions? But there is something else going on, isn't there? This is why Jesus asks the questions. See, Jesus doesn't ask the question because he doesn't know. I believe he asks the questions for our sake. He asks the question to see what we are aware of. Like, do we know? Do we know what we want? Do we know our hearts? Do we even know what we want? Are we actually in touch with our deepest longings or have we let them go dead? Are we in touch with our deepest desires? Because God planted deep desires, like he wired them in us. And so when he asks questions like, what is it that you want me to do for you? I believe he asks because we need to know what is it that we want. And it matters because we get to make a choice. God doesn't just preordain the whole deal and decide whether you say yes or no that it's going to play out this way. We get to choose. Our choices matter. Our desires even matter. And God gave us this ability to choose. He did it out of love, and he wants us to choose him, but he doesn't force us to choose him. Like, he didn't create us to be robots. No, no. We get to decide, for love must be chosen for it to be love at all. And so Jesus asks these questions, questions that get to the heart of the matter, because Jesus knows that the heart is central. When he asks, what do you want? The truth is we can't really know the answer without looking at, without knowing our hearts. So I believe when Jesus asks these questions, he wants to take us deep into our hearts. And the heart is an amazing thing. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, it's a powerful verse. Let's read it out loud here up on the screen together. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I mean, the wellspring of life. That means that, that everything out of your heart is what waters the rest of your life to make it grow, to keep it alive. And when the word here, he says, guard your heart, it's saying, hey, listen, your heart is so important, so important that you're supposed to like guard it. And the word guard there doesn't mean like, okay, you're supposed to guard it as in shut it down and self-protect and don't let anybody in. No, no, no. The scripture is telling us what that word means to guard it is, is to watch over it, to protect it, to take care of your heart, to tend to your heart. Because your heart is important. In fact, again, it's the wellspring of life. And did you catch that part too? We forget that first phrase, above what? 
all else? I mean, that is saying something, right? If you look all through the scripture above all else, like seriously, honestly, before we just you know, like threw this verse out here, would, would it have even come in your top 10 if you were writing the Bible today, right? If I was writing the Bible, I'd be like, all right, let's come up with the top 10 things. Above all else, do what? And you know, I'd come up with a huge bunch of stuff. No way, I wouldn't come up with guard your heart. In fact, sadly, I think if we did a random survey of the top priorities according to most churches when it comes to how we live our Christian life, taking care of our heart probably wouldn't crack the top 40. But the writer of Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. Wow, that is saying something. And all of this is to say that the heart is so important. It's central. So wouldn't you think that it'd be a really good idea for you and I to pay attention to our hearts, to cultivate our inner life, to be real, to be honest about what's actually going on inside of us. To deal with our pain before our pain deals with us. But sadly, I think it's safe to say that, me included, a lot of times we have no idea where our hearts are at at any given moment. For, for most of us, maybe, there's not even a lot of people in our life who would ask us about our hearts. I mean, people would rather debate theology or politics or speculate about, you know, end times or Middle East or whatever. And the question, how's my heart? Somebody asked me that, but like, how's my heart? I mean, don't ask me that. Like, find me the shallow small group, please. Um, but Jesus is always asking people about their hearts. He's constantly getting people in touch with their deep and often, I think, lost desires. Like that story from John 5 that we read there with the crippled man by the pool. In fact, I want to retell it to give us another angle on it. And I'm going to borrow some lines from John Eldridge, who retells that part of the story of the crippled man this way. The shriveled figure lay in the sun like a pile of rags dumped there by accident. It hardly appeared to be human. But those who used the gate to go in and out of Jerusalem, they recognized him. He was disabled. He was dropped off every morning by someone in his family, picked up again at the end of the day. See, there was a rumor going around that sometimes, and nobody really knew when, but sometimes an angel would show up, stir the waters, and the first one it would be healed. Sort of a lottery, if you will. And as with every lottery, the desperate gather around hoping, hoping, hoping for a miracle. So because of that crowd of desperate people, technically the man was never alone but it had been so long since anyone had actually spoken to him that when he did hear the question asked that day, he thought that question must be meant for someone else. So he squinted up into the sun, and he didn't recognize the figure standing there. And so the crippled man asked the fellow who asked the question to repeat himself. Perhaps he'd misheard. I mean, although the voice was kind, the question that was asked seemed harsh, even cruel. So the question came again. Do you want to get well? He sat speechless, just blinking into the sun. Slowly those words seeped into his consciousness like a voice that was trying to call him out of a dream. Do you want to get well? Slowly, like a wheel long rusted, his mind began to turn over, and then he thought, well, 
kind of, what kind of question is that? Why else would I be lying here? Why else would I have spent every day for the past 38 seasons lying here? That, that man, he's mocking me with his question. See, this crippled man had endured his share of ridicule, of, of mockery. But now, as he continued to look and his vision adjusted to the glare of that sun, he could see the inquisitor's face. He could see the eyes. There was no hint of mockery. The face was as kind as the voice that he heard. Apparently, the question asker meant what he said, and he was waiting for an answer. Do you want to get well? What is it that you want? just pause the story here for a moment and remember, because you've heard the story read a few minutes ago, that it was Jesus who asked that question. So if it sounds harsh or cruel, then there's something we're missing here because Jesus is love incarnate. Why would he ask a paraplegic such an embarrassing question? I mean, read, read the rest of the story this week. It does. It gets really crazy. The guy gets healed, by the way. A big ruckus with the Pharisees ensues, no surprise. And again, I usually rush right through this and read past it uh, into the chaos that happens afterwards. But I don't want to miss this question, this crucial question in the story. Because by asking that question, Jesus took the man back to his heart. Back to his deepest core desires. Like dreams that he'd probably given up on. Dreams that had seemed uh, hopeless. And before Jesus heals him, he asks him, do you want to get well? It's the question, again, it takes that man, it takes us. Do we want to get well? It takes us to our hearts, to our core desires. See, many of us forget this, but Jesus wants to keep us in touch with the treasure that he has planted in our hearts. Jesus wants to restore us in the broken places. And, and when we don't live from the heart, when we just make Christianity this intellectual exercise of duty and obligation without any tending to our hearts, we will quickly find ourselves dry and lifeless. And so I believe Jesus is asking you and me today, do you want to get well? And if you let that sink into your heart, what does your heart say? See, it's a significant question in our stories as well. What do you want? What do you desire? What are you hungry? What are you thirsty for? See, whatever it is that you and I are hungry and thirsty for, it, it shows that we have a heart that's looking for something. We have a heart that's looking for something that's placed there by God, something that actually only God can provide for us. So we reflexively, when somebody says, what do you want, might say, hey, hey, well, I want more money. Uh, I want sex. I want power. I want a relationship. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. But look deeper past that because the core of our heart, designed by God, what we want is security. What we want is intimacy. What we long for is significance. We want love. That's what God offers to us, and we try to fill it up with money or sex or relationships or power, but at the core of our hearts, our hearts are crying out for love, for purpose. That's what we really long for because God wired us that way. And to get to those questions, the questions Jesus asked, what do you want and do you want to get well, are crucial. 
Now, it wasn't just in this story that we read. Jesus asked it all over the place. Let me, let me speed through a couple other places where Jesus asked these questions of people. Uh, Matthew 20, there's a story of two blind men. They're on the road to Jericho, and it repeats the same theme. Jesus is pass, passing by this spot that, that these two have sat for who knows how long, just looking for a handout. Every day, these two cry out to Jesus. The crowd tries to shut him up, but they shout over the noise. They get the attention of Jesus. The parade that's following Jesus to wherever they're going stops. Jesus turns aside. Standing before him are two men, nothing more clear than the fact that they are blind, right? Verse 32, in spite of seeing this, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> again, the question. Again, the obvious, which must not be so obvious after all. How about the story of blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10? Verse 46, they reach Jericho, it says, and Jesus and his disciples left town. The large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, by the way, when they list these names, the son of whoever, is because when these letters and these books were written, people were still alive. Like, hey, go ask that guy, the son of who, yeah, go ask him. They will say, they will tell you, oh, yes, it's true. Or their family members will say, yes, we saw it, right? So Bart was sitting beside the road, and when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. But then Jesus heard him. He stopped, told the people around him, tell him to come here. Tell the guy to come here. So they call the blind man over. Imagine this, picture this. Cheer up, they said. Hey, come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up. He came over to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And again, I'm like... Really, Jesus? What, what do you think he wants you to do for him, right? Danny Silk imagines blind Bartimaeus leaning over to his buddies after Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? And saying, hey, hey, is Jesus blind too, right? <laughs> Can he not see this, right? The blind man said, my rabbi, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. What do you want me to do for you? This is amazing. These questions. I mean, just think quickly to the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. If you know the story of this woman, she has come to the well alone in the heat of the day. She's going to draw water, and it's just her and Jesus there. And both she and Jesus know why she's there at that time of the day. She's there during the heat of the day so she can not run into someone, right? Her sexual lifestyle has earned her a reputation, and back in those days, having one partner after another wasn't looked real highly upon, so she's had five husbands who had divorced her because women, women could not initiate divorce back then, so she's been left five times. Now she has a new man who she's not married to, so she comes to bear the scorching rays of the sun rather than the searing words of the so-called decent women from the town who come you know, in the cool of the day, in the evening. So she succeeds, she gets there, right? She avoids the, the, the gossipy, judgmental women of the village, and instead she runs into, ta-da, God, right? <laughs> um, 
Now, it's a prime opportunity, isn't it? I mean, you think about this one way. Hey, this would be great. Like, okay, great. Jesus has got her one-on-one. He's going to address the life she's living. He's going to confront her, right? No, not if you read the story. What does he choose to talk to her about? About her immorality? (laughs) No. Jesus goes to her heart, her thirst, what she's really longing for. John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus says to her, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. It's remarkable. He doesn't even give a little sermon about purity, except to mention it and say he knows what her life has been like. Um, Saying, well, you've had five husbands. The guy you're with now isn't even your husband. In other words, now that we both know that let's talk about your heart's real thirst since the life you've chosen obviously isn't working for you jesus tells her the water i will give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life fountains of endless life like how does that sound if you're in touch with your thirst if you're in touch with your heart if you're in touch with what you want That sounds pretty good. And when you read what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, where he says, I have come that they might have what? Life and have it to the full, to the full. What does that stir in you? What does that stir in you? I mean, that's a pretty big declaration, Jesus. That's what he said. So will we take him up on his offer? And by the way, does anybody remember the first half of that verse? We'll put it up on the screen. It says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, I have come that they might have life, right? He ties the two together, which clues us into something huge that I wish I had time to unpack. But your pursuit of real, authentic life, your pursuit of that will be opposed by the enemy. And so you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it, but hey, it's okay. It's not impossible with Jesus by your side. So life to the full, right? Life to the full. And sometimes you do. You have to fight for it. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Sometimes that means we take a step. Like if your heart's desire really is to get well, you might have to actually cooperate with the process, Because there's not, you know, this magic wand that waves. Like the lame man had to pick up his mat. The blind beggars had to ask for what they wanted. Blind Bartimaeus too. The woman at the well had to dial into the core desires of her heart. Even the story that Noah uh, told up front here about, about being healed, pretty awesome, but like we had to show up. We had to show up at a prayer service and be humble enough to learn and to ask for prayer. Again, there's no guarantee that healing happens. Uh, My neck, like I said, it it wasn't healed. I've had that prayed for probably hundreds of times, but you know what? I'm not giving up on that Um, because it could happen next time. And if it doesn't, it's okay. I will keep asking and seeking and knocking because I want to get well. I want to get well. So like I said, if we want to get well, sometimes it means taking a step. And so let me give you just a few specifics of what that could mean if we really want to get well. So if you're sick, Simple one here, right? It might mean coming to the healing prayer service tonight. Or on other weeks, we always have a healing, or we always have a prayer team in the back here. Um, There's not always a ton of people that go and pray with that faithful, faithful team. They would love to pray for you. If you're sick, I wouldn't leave the room without stopping and having someone pray 
for you or for your loved one because it takes humility to do that. Like you can write it on the card and we'll pray for you, but God wants us to rely on each other. It's the body of Christ. He wants us to depend on each other. And so have humility and ask someone, the prayer team or someone here to pray for you or or take a step of faith. Just come tonight and be open and willing. Who knows? Who knows? Perhaps God will act. Another area where it would mean to take a step to get well. Um, Some of us may need to take this step. This is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And if you have been abused, or if you're a perpetrator, this is a great time to stop and take a deeper look. Do you want to get well? If you do, you're going to need some help. You're going to need to join a support group. You're going to need to go for counseling. You're going to have to take a step if you want to get well. Maybe you're somebody that's gone through some other trauma. Uh, Do you want to get well? You're going to have to ask for some help to get counseling, you know, and maybe to cooperate as well with the counselor, which is important because I can tell you stories of, of people I know. I think of one person in particular who needed some help but refused every time the counselor got near to her deep wound, she just wouldn't go there and would bail out. So ultimately, she didn't want to get well because... Truthfully, it was working for her to live as she was living and push people away and be ruled by fear. But sadly, the result of that is blowing up other relationships and hurting lots of people. So if you want to get well, it might mean doing the work, going to counseling. Um, How about your marriage? Do you want to get well? Do you want to have a healthy marriage? Well, then you might need some outside help. Like too many couples have this slow grind of irritation and disappointment and no talk rules. We can't talk about that. And it seeps into our marriages and we just accept it. We tiptoe around each other. We can't talk about anything really. By the way, that's not a healthy marriage. That's not a healthy relationship. You don't want to live that way. So what will it take for you to work on your marriage? Do you want to get well? How about those of us that are feeling stuck in some area of our life? Do you want to get well? Well, that's probably going to mean getting unstuck by finding a spiritual director, a therapist, some wise mentors who've been through the storm and come out the other side. Um, And by the way, like I said earlier, I have all three, okay? I'm a mess, but I want to get well. I want to live fully alive. I mean, when Jesus says he offers life to the full and he warns it'll be opposed We're going to have to want it. We're going to have to fight for it. We're going to have to step into it. Worship team, will you come? I'm going to read this scripture out of Isaiah 55 as we wrap up. In Isaiah 55, God invites us. He says these words, Come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. God invites you, if you're thirsty, to come and drink. To come and drink. So will we do that? This is this invitation of Jesus to your heart and mind, this offer of life to quench our thirst, to satisfy the hungers within us, the thirsts within us. And here at Hope, that's the kind of church we are. 
Yes, we are very much on a mission where we are partnering with God to love and serve and bless our world to be the church outside of these walls, but we also here pay close attention to healing and restoration, the stuff that Jesus wants to shape and do in our hearts as well. Not just for everybody else, but for us as well. See, it's a both and deal. And so two questions I want you to take with you as we close today. In fact, here, here's, we're gonna change it up a little bit. Will you just play some guitar? And um... There's two questions on the screen here. And what I just sense in this moment, and we're not even gonna sing a closing song. Um, we're just gonna give you a moment of quiet with these two questions. In fact, what I want you to do is to, clo- to, to get the questions in your mind, so go ahead and read them. Um, what is your heart longing for? And the second, do you want to get well? Like, what do you want? Now, what I want you to do is to close your eyes, to imagine Jesus even right now coming to sit with you with those two questions, and he's just asking you those two questions. What is your heart longing for? And do you want to get well? And we're going to give you a minute with just the music playing in the background before we close. Just take this minute and imagine yourself sitting with Jesus and answer the question to him. Maybe you'll want to write it down on something or just keep it in your heart, but do you want to get well? What is it your heart longs for? frustrating or disappointing but Jesus will you help us to trust you to trust you as we follow you in to life and life to the full will you guys stand with me as we dismiss in a few moments as we release again if you just clear the chairs on the side chair folks Uh, There's a kids' ministry meeting happening in here. If you are volunteering with kids' ministry at all, hang out in 10 minutes. We'll start that meeting. If you're uh, in the new members uh, and one of our elders, head to the conference room in 10 minutes. Um, And the rest of you, after I do the blessing, you'll be dismissed. But let me bless you. People of hope, there is a God who offers you life to the full. He offers you love and grace and mercy to your thirsty heart, to your hungry heart. He wants to bring fullness and restoration. 
trust him today, trust him this week to lead you deeper into Jesus, deeper into wholeness, and dare to imagine, dare to hope that the love and grace of God is enough, is enough for you. If you need someone to pray with you, our prayer team will be available in the back. And I bless you now as you go in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.